unmute, unmute. My name is Kevin. I'm alcoholic. Yeah. There we go. Good to be here. Good to be sober. Love the meeting. Thank you, guys. Thank, I want to thank uh, Ryan for asking me to come out. Um, appreciate it. And, and it's always good to see Tim. Uh, I don't know where you're at, buddy, but um, always, yeah, there you are. Good to see you, brother. And, I got to meet him a few years back through um, um, the Inland Empire AA convention. You know, I have the privilege of being part of that. Most of the time, you know, we was a crew of us that went through putting it together to uh, move it. And we actually moved it out to San Manuel. We changed the whole format. And, you know, Tim comes out and um, they got a, a table and a booth out there. And, it, you know, it's, it's really, really, really good to being Alcoholics Anonymous, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love what it's done to me and for me in spite of me. You know, I, I believe this is a gift, an absolute gift. Maria, I want to thank you for doing the 10 minute. Um, it, uh, Trent and Holly, we are being recorded, right? It was supposed to come out. And uh, I'm going to my So be mad at him, right? <laughs> you did a great job. I did not feel like falling asleep, you know? <laughs> Uh, the message is, is alive and well, you know, and that's what I got to hear tonight, you know, um, uh, from the birthdays, um, uh, you know, the, it's really, really cool to see the chip, you know, the chip takers take chips and the birthdays and, and watch the growth that happens around here. Right. You know, I don't know where you, I can assume you guys came where I came from and there was nothing good. You know, um, I like that you read, what is that called that you read? The, um, they stopped in time, right? Not my story. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I overshot that mark, you know, <laughs> and I wanted to stop in time. I would rather come up here and talk to you about stopping in time than come up here and tell you what I actually did out there, right? This is like a mini fifth step. You come up here and we, we share in a general way. And even in a general way, I, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I don't want to tell you all that stuff. But what I can tell you is that I'm an alcoholic and I suffer from the illness of alcoholism. You know, and I heard the message um, loud and clear with you guys tonight. Alcohol and drugs is a symptom of the problem. And I'm really, really grateful that I um, am in a group like yours that's active and involved in Alcoholics Anonymous. We don't just show up for meetings, sit in a chair that somebody else sets out, drink the coffee that somebody else makes. You know, we're active and involved too. And I, and I love that. And I get that from this meeting. You know, um, a little resentful on the on the chip. I mean, you guys like give a chip for every month. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, I never seen that. Huh? My, in my story, I took like my 30 day chip and we'll get into that. And then I didn't get any more chips for a couple of years. So I'll let you know how, how that came about. So I always wanted to stand back up as we go through the chips and this would be the perfect meeting because I could get one every month. You know? <laughs> That's a big key thing going on. <laughs> Rattle around when I walk. That's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I, I love the gift that's given to us. 
And I don't even know that I need that gift, right? I don't even know that. I don't know what alcoholism is prior to coming into here. All I know is a lot of people were mad at me a lot of the time, you know, and they were always telling me weird things like, you need to stop drinking and go to bed, you know, and, and uh, you know, they didn't understand, right? They didn't understand when they told me to stop drinking what they were really asking. You know, they were asking me to give up the one thing that I truly felt made me feel better. The one thing that changed the way I thought and the way I felt. I didn't know that, but that's what it did. And I was not going to give that one thing up, you know. Um, so I grew up with mom and a dad. Um, pretty resentful at them. I, I think any real alcoholic needs to be mad at mom and dad. You know, they were the problem. It was their fault. Um, you know, my dad drank um, a lot before I was born from what I heard, um, drank from my understanding alcoholically, um, you know, and, and right around the time my brother was born, my, my, um, my mom had enough and she was like, you know, it's either the drinking or us and he quit drinking, you know, um, he went on to be in what I seen was very miserable for the rest of his life, you know, no treatment, um, but he didn't drink. Um, but he was isolated and alone by the time I was in my 20s, um, barely came out of the house. Uh, me and my brother were, were his best friends, you know. Um, and even, you know, even at that time, I don't know what alcoholism is or what it looks like. I just know what, what my dad was like. And he was an angry man. Um, what I, uh, you know, so I, I, um, I started drinking at 13 years old, um, extremely uncomfortable in my home. Um, and, and that's not, that's not why, you know, I drank. I was around a buddy of mine, his mom and dad left and um, they went out for the night. I was spending the night at his house. Um, I have my older brother, James, um, and, and I knew he drank and I knew they did some weird thing called smoke weed. And um, it sounded pretty cool. Um, and at 13 years old, you know, I'm over at my buddy's house and, and we get into the liquor cabinet. What happened is um, I drank as much as I could, as quick as I could that night. I don't know why that is at 13, you know, huh? overshot the mark. You know? yeah. um, and his parents came home. They got really upset and they took me home. I was supposed to spend the night. Now my mom and dad are mad at me. And I remember my mom and dad pushed me off back in my room. I go in there and I, you know, I fall back on the bed and the bed's flopping around. And I like intuitively knew to put one foot on the floor and I'm laying there and I'm thinking, man, I will never do this again. You know, and in a few short days, I'm thinking, man, when can I do that again? You know, because the prior to that moment of when I overshot the mark for the first time in my 13 years of life, I felt comfortable. You know, I felt OK. And that's what alcohol did for me. You know, it changed those feelings in me. You know, so I, um, you know, I my my brother, my mom and dad, they allowed him to have cake parties and, and stuff at the house. So I started drinking you know, whenever I could get my hands on it from 13 to 15. And at 15 years old, I um, uh, had a little meth problem. And <laughs> that lasted for like 17 years. <laughs> I mean, I was awake, you know. What I mean? <laughs> and 
that's not good for a fifth step because you remember everything. You know, I wanted more blackouts. Uh, I wanted to truly say, I don't know, you know. But when you're up that long, it's like, oh. So anyways, I started using method 15 years old. And at 15 years old, I started running the streets. You know, and I started another, I had another little problem that was going on. It was a borrowing problem. I started borrowing from my parents, like their money and their car and their, you know, their stuff and I was borrowing for the from the neighbors and and they didn't like that and you know and already at 15 I'm getting in trouble with my parents my neighbors and the police now you know and they're blaming me for everything most of it I did but still you know I'm running around the streets 15 to 17 years old I'm drinking and using on a daily basis already by this time I'm having problems with my parents like I said you know um they get they get upset over the littlest things you know um, one night I, I needed to get what I needed to get. So I, I stole my mom and dad's TV and about, I guess, one o'clock in the morning, my dad came out and was like trying to turn the TV on with the clicker and um, the TV wasn't there. And, and he's like, that little bastard. And uh, that was my nickname. And, uh, <laughs> and he got all mad and he ran out to get in the car to go find me and why well, taking the car because the TV was heavy. <laughs> I brought the car back, um, rolled it in the driveway like we do, you know, and, uh, and then I'm gone, you know, and I'm hiding. It was like three or four days later, I, um, I was over at a friend's house and my dad come pulling out and I had forgot all about the TV, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I go running up to the car to see my dad. My dad punches me in the face and I fall back into the street and I'm, and now I can tell you that, you know, uh, I'm abused, you know, and my dad's violent. <laughs> And, you know, he beats me, you know what I mean? And um, I would have beat me with the stuff that I did, right? <laughs> so 15 to 17, this is what my life looks like. You know, uh, I'm getting into the neighbor's house. I'm breaking into cars. I'm um, being harassed by the police. I'm, I'm running the streets. And at no time, and this is, you know, when they're all trying to put me in rehabs and they're trying to um, you know, get me to counseling. I drop out of school. They're just constantly on my back. Right. And no wonder I don't want to come home. You know what I mean? And, and that's when that thing starts where they're telling me you need to stop drinking, you know, and go to bed and, you know, stop staying up for a month. And, you know, and I'm just like, you guys don't get it, you know? And, and I believe that I'm, I'm living the life. Right. Um, but the truth is the very one thing that they want me to stop doing, I'm not willing to do. You know, because I've got this mind that's overwhelming me constantly and I need something in it that's going to shut shut it off. I need something that's going to alter the way that I'm looking at my reality, you know, um, not real reality, but my reality. You know, I feel like I'm a victim. I feel picked on. I feel different than I feel not part of, you know, and and these are the feelings that I'm carrying. You know, at 17 years old, about 17 and a half, I stayed up way longer than I should have. And. And I ended up um, passing out at one house and I woke up at another house and I'm laying on this couch and I come to and this little kid staring at me and, and I felt uncomfortable. So I need to get out of there. And as I as I'm walking out there, I call my mom and dad up and I say, hey, you know, um, I need to come home. And they're like, you can come home, but you need to go to this, you know, this place we got for you. And and at this time, I just I just want to go home. You know what I mean? Um, I've been running pretty hard for a while and 
and I agree, you know, and I go into the care unit for the first time and I do 30 days in there and I'm in there, they put me on the adult side and I'm with all these old people. They're like in their forties and, you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> they need to be here. You know what I mean? And they push us off into a room, um, you know, into the a and uh, go to meetings and, and they're doing whatever they're doing in there. And, and I know that these people need to be there. Cause I remember sitting in the room when any of them would want to leave and we would all gather up in a group. And I can remember sitting in the group, they're lost their families. They've lost jobs. They're not, don't have a relationship with kids. You know, I didn't, none of this, I don't have any of that. You know, I'm 17 and a half years old, you know, and I'm looking at them saying, you guys need to stay here. I even, even remember, you know, quoting steps and, you know, and all that fun stuff. And, and I get out of there and it, it didn't do nothing for me. I didn't hear any message. You know what I mean? I got out in the very next day I'm drinking and, and I'm, I'm back at it and I'm on the run again. And 19, about 19, um, I go back in there one more time for a 45 day stay. And I have the same, same thing it has nothing to do with me. You know, they always told me as if, you know, alcohol and drugs, that was the problem. You know, that's what they said. That's the problem. But I don't know whenever I stop drinking and using what happens to me is, is I completely fall apart. Right. I can't, I can't live. I feel like I'm drowning, you know, and that that's what they want to take away from me. You know, and I don't get that. I have no idea what the, what the illness is and how it centers in our mind. I don't know none of that. I'm just trying to quiet this storm. You know, and, and unfortunately, I'm willing to go to great lengths to do that. I'm, I'm willing to crash my life into the ground, even though I don't think so. You know, I get in there and, and I get out and um, immediately I am uh, back out on the streets running and doing what I do. At 20 years old, I have my first daughter, Miranda. And I, when I had that little girl, um, I loved that little girl. You know, um, I wish that love was enough. And it's not. You know, I love that little girl and that little girl slept on my chest for the first month. You know, I was afraid she was going to stop breathing. You know what I mean? And I love this little girl, you know, and, and I was going to be the parent that I didn't have. Right. Because I blame my parents for everything. They're, they're the problem. Right. But it's not enough. You know, I'm drinking and I'm using and a few years later. I had my second daughter, um, Tori and. And um, same thing. I love the, that little girl. I love these little girls today. I have three daughters today. I have uh, eight grandkids. Seven of them are granddaughters. I mean, that's a lot of girls. <laughs> I'm gray. I'm only 40. No. <laughs> but I love these kids today. And, and one of the biggest gifts I got is I get to be part of their life. You know, but that, that's not... That, that wouldn't happen until I was 32 years old. So I have these two little girls I'm drinking and using. I'm going through jobs. I'm having problems with work. You know, they're, they're on my back, too. They're, they're weird, right? They want you there Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, like every day. You know what I mean? And I, I, I don't work that way. I'm a really good worker. So I want to come in for a couple hours, and then I got to go. You know, I just need to check, right? And I'm, I'm having problems with financing cars. I don't know how you guys finance cars, but I finance them and I immediately hide them because I know they're coming together. You know, it's not my fault they give me credit. You know what I mean? Landlords, I hate landlords, the first to the fifth, really. And then they want to charge you, you know, on top of that because you're late. 
I don't have the first portion. How am I going to pay the late payment? You know what I mean? So I start doing things like going in and out of my back window. I don't use the front door no more. Um, I love to live in duplexes and apartment buildings because I have problems with Edison. You know, they'll, they'll come out and take that damn meter off. You know what I mean? And I have to tap into my neighbor's electricity. And uh, the gas company, I'm not really mad at because I can break that metal thing off until they come get the meter themselves, you know. And and, uh, and I need a phone. So I tap into my neighbor's phone, which is cool for me, except for if it rings and I answer and they answer and it's for me, that's a little uncomfortable. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's another reason to go out the back window. You know, I hate the front door. Um and, and I'm living my life, you know, I'm raising these two little girls. I had um, I married their mom um, for a little while and and um, um, she ended up getting a boyfriend and I was real resentful over that. I mean, I had a girl I was seeing, but, you know, I didn't call her my girlfriend, you know, <laughs> and I sure didn't leave, you know. So she ends up leaving, you know, my girls are a little older. Um, I think um, Tori at the time was about three years old. When, when her mom left. And, and unfortunately, mom carries the same illness that I have. And mom had to go. And that was just the truth of it. You know, so I have these two little girls now and I'm, I'm about 27 years old and I'm out in Florida working for a company and I ended up coming back to California. Thank you. One of my, uh, okay. One of my um, things that I always do is I always fall back on these parents that I'm resentful at, right? To get me out of this, to fix this, to, you know, so I call them up and I, I say, you know what, um, I need to come home and I bring these two little girls and at 27 years old, I move in with them. They help me move into a duplex and uh, which is right by them. They're taking my kids to school. I'm unemployable. Uh, you know, I can't work at this time. I'm drinking and using on a daily basis and I'm trying to raise these two little girls that I absolutely love and adore and I just cannot be there with for them. I end up losing that place due to not paying rent. And um, now I'm uh, living in motels and hotels. My brother comes back from Florida and we decide to start a new career, um, which is robbing stores. And for the next four to five years, that's what we do on a daily basis. We're drinking and using, living in motels, hotels. I'm in borrowed cars. I'm in stolen cars. I'm dragging these two, two little girls around who I would tell you that I love and adore. And I'm drinking and using and I just can't stop, right? I cannot provide the life that they need. I'm not living the life that I want to leave. Um, and, and I just can't stop. Helpless and hopeless. You know, I have no help and no hope. And what's given to me and the, and the people that love me and what they're trying to give me, I, I can't accept it. It doesn't work for me. I wish love was enough because my parents loved me enough and these little girls loved me enough. And it's just not enough, you know? And I'm running and I'm running and I'm running and me and my brother, are, you know, about two years um, prior to getting sober, my mom and dad, I, I went over and I dropped those two little girls off at my mom and dad's house. And it was about a year before I got back. I never planned that. I didn't want that to happen. You know, I'm living in these motel and hotels and we're doing the things that we're doing. And, you know, we're, we're committing crimes on a daily basis. I'm getting in trouble with the law. Um, you know, I'm doing little stints here and there. And, and right there at the end, I end up getting picked up. Um, well, what happened was um, my mom and dad, me and my brother out on this crime spree and, and um, being the, it's more like the three stooges, but two of us, you know what I mean? So we're out on this crime spree and we end up running out of gas in the middle of this robbery. 
<laughs> like should have planned for that, you know. Um, and we got separated. So I'm in the car with no gas with all the stolen goods. My brother's walking around the streets. He's a moron, right? And I'm just like trying to drive around and find him. And next thing I see my dad drive by with my brother in the car. And I'm like, that idiot. So he called my dad, right? The cops are swirling around. And I mean, it's, it's just a mess, you know? Uh, stressful way of living. So I, I'm, I'm like pumping the gas to catch up to them on the freeway. And, and I catch up to them. And then my brother's like, oh, there he is. And uh, uh, we hit my dad up for some gas money. Go sell the stuff that we need to sell to get what we need, right? It's all I'm focused on. You know, I don't want to hear what my dad has to say. And I'm pumping the gas. And at this time, my dad will no longer give us money. I don't know why that is, but um, we're resentful over that, you know. And, and um, so he puts it in on his card and I'm pumping the gas. And I'm just trying to get out of it, right? And my dad says, we're taking the girls. We're taking the girls. You know, and I hated him and I was grateful at the same time. It was a weird feeling. You know, and I go on for a few more months running and doing what I'm doing. And then I get picked up on two charges. One was a petty theft and one was, they said, was, <laughs> they said, was an armed robbery. And um, I get picked up on these two charges and, and by this time, I, I can't, I can't call my parents. Um, I, I remember I would call my parents to ask them for something. They have custody of my kids. They would answer the phone with literally, they would say, we ain't got no money and you can't come here. Boom. They would hang up the phone. And, uh, and you know, um, prior to that moment, when I would be able to kind of get over to the house just to see the girls for a minute, every time I left, they would pat me down. You know, and and um, and that was uncomfortable because I usually had their stuff in my pocket. You know what I mean? And um, you know, so eventually they they completely cut me off. So I get locked up, and I'm doing 14 days on that petty theft, which I had walked out of a store with their merchandise. And um, when I got locked up for 14 days, I uh, I did not. Um, I had no thoughts of quitting. I had no thoughts of getting help. I had, I had none of that. I'm just doing my time to get out of here, to get back to where I need to be. And I got out of there and I made a phone call that day and I, I called my mom and dad and I asked them if I could come home. And for whatever reason that day, they said, yeah. You know, they would let me nowhere near them. I don't know why that is then. I know why that is today. You know, my mom and dad lived in Redlands and they lived across the street from the Redlands Unity Group. And um, it's a club over there. And one of the things that had been going on is my brother has been coming in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous for many, many years. And one of the things he was doing when he was at my mom and dad's house is he was taking my daughter, Miranda, at that time, who, um, who was 10 years old, in and out of your rooms. I got home that day. That little girl, Miranda, asked me to take her across the street and get some candy. Being the good dad that I am, I hit my dad up for some money to take that little girl to get some candy. And as we're walking through the parking lot of the Redlands Unity Club, she says, Dad, will you go in here with me? And that's what that's the only reason I walked into Alcoholics Anonymous. I walked in here that day for that little girl. And I remember looking down at that little girl and I remember thinking I would do anything to be part of this little girl's life. I didn't come in here to get what I got. I didn't come in here looking for an answer to my problems. I came in here that day for that little girl. 
My first sponsor says God orchestrates events to get us where we need to be. You know, getting locked up, doing 14 days, worst thing that can happen to me, right? Making that phone call to those parents that won't answer my phone calls and them saying yes. This little girl, this little girl asking me to come in here. And I came in here and I sat down and I listened to what you guys had to say. And what I heard was the language of the heart. I don't know how to describe that. I just knew that I felt like I fit. And I felt like you guys understood. And I started going to meetings. I did that for about 45 days. I got a sponsor um, by the name of the guy, um, Gary Platts. And I love that man. He was my sponsor for 18 years until he passed away. And I'm really, really grateful for that man and what he did to me and for me. You know, he grabbed me up. Um, I remember sitting in that meeting the first few days, sitting in the back of the room, my back to the wall. When they would go on breaks, I would sit off to the side and I would watch you guys. And I would think, man, I would love to be able to be part of this. And I have no idea how to do that. And then I asked this guy to sponsor me. And what he did was he took my hand and he put it in yours and he introduced me to you. That's what he did. He introduced me to you. And when I was sitting at home and I, did, I didn't want to go to the meeting that night for whatever the reason could possibly be, I remember thinking, well, maybe Bob will be over there. You know, well, I'll go over there and see Gary. And I would get up and I would go to the meetings. After 45 days, Redlands Police Department came to my house, my mom and dad's house about five o'clock in the morning, banging on the door, looking for me and my brother for that armed robbery. Um, and what happened was I, um, I went and hid. <laughs> so <laughs> I went and hid, you know, I mean, that's what we do, right? I went upstairs, my mom and dad come running downstairs. It's five o'clock in the morning, they're banging on the door. I know who's banging on the door like that at five o'clock in the morning. I'm laying, I'm sleeping on the floor in the room downstairs where my two little girls are sleeping up in the bed. My mom and dad are sleeping upstairs. I uh, go to the door and I'm like, who is it? You know, and they're like, Rella's police department. And I'm like, oh man. And my mom and dad come running down and, and my mom says, go hide. And I'm like, <laughs> like every resentment I ever had against her left right now. <laughs> like, I loved that lady. You know what I mean? It's my dad's fault. <laughs> I went and hid. I hid up in a, a bathroom upstairs with no windows. That's not cool if you're a criminal. You know better than that. And I went up there. And I'm sitting up in that room and it's pitch dark and I'm, um, I, and I'm up there for a while. I'm up there for a while and I'm thinking, what's going on? Did they go back to bed? Well, what I found out was right after um, mom told me to go hide, she opened the door and they asked if they could search the house. And she said, yes. So all resentments came back. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm sitting up there and they're, they're now doing a felony search on the house, which is where they have flashlights and guns out, right? And I'm sitting up in that room, and what I see is these flickering lights underneath the door, and I know what that is, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to decide, what do I do? Do I come out sleepy, you know, like, hey, guys, what are you doing here, you know? I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to decide, all these things are running through my head, and, and all of a sudden, the door comes flying open, guns out, flashlights in my face, get out, get out, hook me up one more time, I'm walking down the stairs. At my mom and dad's house, I walk out the front door, I turn back, I'm looking at these two little girls, my parents standing there, and I'm thinking, and my thoughts are, see, this won't even work for me, right? New way of living. 
And uh, I ended up, you know, going up there and fighting that case for a while. They could not find my brother. And um, um, I ended up um, getting it dropped down to a strong arm, uh, 211 strong arm robbery. I go upstate and I take a strike. Um, I'm up there and I do, uh, I do uh, 21 months off the two years, you know, and I'm up and um, um, I, you know, I, it's like I call my sponsor up, you know, he's supposed to have all the answers to get me out of this. And, and that guy tells me, when you get where you're going, get a book and go to meetings. Not the answer that I wanted to hear, you know what I mean? And, um, but I do. And what I can come back and report to you is Alcoholics Anonymous is alive and well. You know, there was meetings that we would attend there. and There was H&I that would come in and you're involved in H&I, I thank you. You know, and I would go to these meetings and I would think this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. You know, I had a brother done rehab and, you know, that's just me. But um, so I'm up there and I'm, I'm doing this time. And the whole time I'm thinking, I have this problem with God, right? Like I believe in God, but I don't believe God's going to help a person like me. So I'm up there and I'm resentful at, at God for not getting me out of this. And, um, but I believe in the men and women in the, in the rooms. And that's what I'm going to try to hold on to. You know, so I'm taking secretary position. I'm doing chip um, positions. I'm, you know, we had one, um, uh, two meetings a week that we would go off the yard for. Um, after I left there, we had started two more meetings on the yard. I got to be part of that. How cool is that, you know? And um, that gave us four meetings a week. And, and we had grown. I think there was about 10 guys to about 30, 40 guys, um, you know, and, and got to be part of that. Got to see Alcoholics Anonymous work, you know. And what happened to me was right before I got out of there, I had a simple little thought. And the thought is that God isn't here to get me out of what I clearly got myself into. But he got me through it. And at that moment, I could see these footprints and fingerprints all over the last few years. I can never see what's going on right here in front of me. But when I look back, man, it's, it's, it's like crystal clear. The changes that have taken place. Something had taken place that changed who I was even there. Because I'm a taker. I'm a tornado. I roar through the lives of others. I got to get what I got to get. That whole time I was up there, I didn't ask my mom and dad for anything. I was grateful when they came up there. I was grateful when they brought my, my little girls up to see me. And, um, and, I, and I'm, you know, was extremely thankful for what they've done, you know, and that's not how I felt in the past. So I, I got out of there and I, I went right back to that Redlands Unity Club and thank God the men and women were still sitting in that room. You know, and Gary was sitting in that room. And um, what he did again for me is he got me in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous. Got me involved in book studies, took me through that book, took me through the steps. That's what changed my life. That's the only thing that I have found that has truly altered my perception in the right area. Everything else that I've tried to do um, through alcohol, through drugs, through um, getting married, <laughs> You know, getting married, jobs, money, having this, getting a car. Um, somebody talked about that, um, shortchanging themselves. You know, and I heard that when I got in here. If you um, write down what you want in five years. And, you know, so I do that. I want a car. I want the, the wife. I want a house. I want the job. Man, I picked all the wrong things. I picked all the wrong things. There's no human connection in any of that stuff. And truth be told, <laughs> if I go start a job and I stay there long enough, 
All of those things are a given. Well, maybe not the wife, but everything else is a given, right? <laughs> My granddaughters, I had the, the two, Kaylee and, and Hazel, Kaylee was turning nine and um, eight, I think she was eight years old. She wanted, a, she wanted a cell phone. And she was spending time between her mom and her dad's. And I talked to mom and I, her dad and I said, let me get her a cell phone. You know, that way she could call me, she could call them. Um, you know, I really didn't want her to feel like, you know, through their separation that, you know, she couldn't reach any of us. And, and Hazel at the time is um, five years old and she wanted a cell phone too. But I, I even, I know five years old, you know, that's a little young. <laughs> but what I found down there was this little watch. And she could make calls to me, mom and dad and grandma, you know, whatever it be, you know, and I ended up getting her this little watch. I got 32 phone calls the first day. <laughs> I was in the other room. <laughs> I didn't ask for that, right? I didn't ask for those phone calls. I didn't ask for that interaction. You know, Kaylee's still got that, that cell phone and she, you know, she called, she's called me up today. They're at Knoxbury Farm with her mom and dad. And, and um, you know, she's checked in with me two or three times. I didn't ask for that. You know, my, my daughter, um, um, Miranda, her oldest daughter, Jade, my, my oldest granddaughter has recently come to live with me, you know, due to, due to situations in her life. And it's placed her in my home. You know, I'm a single guy. Um, living alone and I've got a 14 year old girl living in my house right now you know what I mean and she loves to talk you know <laughs> I don't know what she's saying <laughs> and that gets me in trouble because I nod a lot she's like no yesterday you promised and I'm like oh. <laughs> we're going to dye your hair let's go you know <laughs> You know, and I get to do things <laughs> with that little girl today, with all my granddaughters. You know, I get to do things and be part of their life. We go down and we get their nails done. I, go, I take them down, get their nails done, get their hair done. I go shopping with them and help them pick out clothes. I get to be part of that, right? These other little girls that I didn't, my, my little girls that I didn't get to be part of, I get to now be part of with them. And I absolutely believe that that's a gift. You know, um, what do we got? Okay, 11 minutes, good. Um, you know, these are the things that I didn't ask for. You know, I get to be um, active and involved in Alcoholics Anonymous as long as I will allow myself to be here because we know how our thinking is. You know, and I could be, you know what, and I'll be truthful. Some mornings I wake up and I it's my Monday night meeting and I'm going, no, I ain't going, I ain't going. You know, um, I go to work all day long. I'm thinking, I ain't going. I'm not going to that meeting tonight, you know. And then uh, then I end up at the meeting, you know. I think one of the best things that we can do around here is train our feet because my thinking will keep me out of here, you know, even after 22 years. Um, we have a saying over where I'm at, and that's get in the car, you know, get in the car. And we get in the car and we go to we go to speaker meetings, we go to outings, we go. Um, the group that I'm involved with is very, it's a Monday night inland group in, in uh, Redlands, very active group, you know, and I get to be part of and help 
with putting on um, things that we do outside of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, um, we've got a sound bath that we're all, we're all, there's 35 of us gathering up to go do this sound bath. And the, the, the thing behind that is what we've started is a Wednesday night meeting. Um, we go through the big book. We go through other literature in AA. Um, for a while, we did a prayer and meditation, you know, to get us used to doing prayer and meditation, you know. So um, Wednesday night, once a month, we meet up. We um, have dinner together, and then we do a meditation together. And it's unbelievable, for, even with people, you know, some of us with time, that has not spent time doing that, you know, and then to watch their experience, you know. And that's the theory behind, or that's the reason why we're doing the sound bath. We're going up. It's a, about an hour and a half above um, Redlands, above Yucca. Um, it's just beautiful dome. And, and I don't know if, you know, if you haven't heard of a sound bath, check it out. But it's, it's, it's beautiful. And it's a great way to, um, um, for meditation and get in there and just quiet the mind. You know, anything that I can do today to help kind of quiet this thing down. I can do that with being mostly active and involved in Alcoholics Anonymous by taking commitments. You know, I've got a commitment at my home group. We've got the, the Wednesday night commitment. We, I come out and do things like this, which is an absolute gift, um, you know. Um, but for me to actually sit still long enough to really kind of quiet this thing down, about six years ago, I went on like, a, I don't know if it was really a, um, a healing or um, uh, I started a journey. Um, okay, so I was having problems with dating in Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know if anybody else has had problems like that. Um, but it usually starts out, you meet them at a meeting and then by the weekend you're engaged and... <laughs> talking about kids names you know what I mean <laughs> and um and I love them well when I was younger I, I like had the energy for it now I don't, I don't have the energy for it <laughs> but back in the day it was exciting right it was anything to alter that perception I, I believe that only alcohol and drugs are symptoms no that ain't true you know anything to alter that perception anything that I think is going to make me feel better right and I get I get into these things and and uh, got married in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, and that was cool till about the day we got married. <laughs> and then it was a year of hell, you know what I mean? Like, my wedding day was beautiful. Um, the honeymoon, it had been perfect if she wouldn't have been there, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I could have hit that trip on my own. <laughs> That's just the truth. At the at the wedding, her dad stood up and said, "Did the toast?" She's your problem now, and he sat down. Oh, that's so funny! You know what I mean? It's like oh, I was on a roller coaster ride for a while, and then I got into another one. I didn't marry this one, but um, I went on a six-year run of, of just torture. And um, my buddy has a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous: "Let go or get dragged." <laughs> and I was getting dragged and uh, like believing, you know, that it's about love, right? It's not, you know, it's not. And <laughs> and that was that was an experience. And so, anyways, the end of that, I started to go on this this little journey about um, getting to know me, getting to know self. You know, I started. Um, doing things like um, the sound baths. Um, I did Reiki for a little bit, and then I jumped over to cranial therapy. Um, 
you know, manicure, pedicures, um, finding out what I want in my home, what kind of sheets I want on my bed, what kind of towels I like, like getting to know me, you know, um, and decorating my home instead of waiting for her to come and decorate, right? And um, man, it's been, it's been a journey. You know, this last 22 years has been an absolute journey and I'm glad that I didn't miss any of it. You know, I'm glad that I, um, you know, through it all that I've been able to stay here and be part of and stay here and, and do my best to stay in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, um, to be part of society, to be part of life, to be part of these little girls' lives. My first 12 years in Alcoholics Anonymous, I was doing a lot of speaking. I was sponsoring a lot of guys. I'm in seven, eight meetings a week, right? I'm, I've got a commitment in everyone. And, and, and rightfully so, except for me, I'm living in the middle of AA. You know, I'm not, I'm not connected with the kids. I'm not connected with the family. I'm running in to see them one more time, one more time. 12 years sober, I end up stepping away from Alcoholics Anonymous for two years. And I start building these relationships with these family. And I start um, building my business. I own my own business today. Um, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm a general contractor. And like, um, so I, when I first started this, I started running ads and people would call me out to their home and they want painting done or drywall done. And they would sign contracts with me and they would give me money and the key to their house because they weren't going to be there the next day. That's a come up. I don't know about you guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> But being an Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't touch any of their stuff. And I've been able to build this business since 2003. You know, I'm really, really grateful for the things that I get to do. Um, and, 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 and so during that time, I'm building this business. And, I'm, um, and then I, I come back into Alcoholics Anonymous. I never got far away from my sponsor or my buddy Trenton, um, you know, or, or a few of the men and women. But if you would talk to me about AA, I would kind of flip you off and tell you, leave me alone. And, um, and, you know, but I had to go and do what I had to do in order to really come to find out what I need around here is balance. You know, I need balance. And, um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that time. And this is what it, this is the simplest way that I can put it. I was doing really good those two years as far as everything was going. I felt comfortable. I felt okay. Right? Isn't that where we want to be? And then one day, I'm on the freeway, and I noticed that everybody in front of me was going way too slow. <laughs> and everybody behind me was going way too fast. And I just wanted to kill everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, and I had, again, I had a simple little thought like, ah, I think I need to go back to meetings. You know, and my buddy Trenton had called me later that day and said, I'm speaking at a meeting. Come do a 10-minute. And I'm like, okay. So I got back in the car. And I've been back in the car ever since, you know. I don't know what your guys' journeys are. This is just a little bit about mine. What happened to me and what it was like, um, you know, and what, it, what it's like today. I, like I said, I get to be part of um, the Inland um, Empire A convention. Um, this is going to be our third year over at Saboba Casino. If you guys haven't been out to that, come out and see us. You know, we've been able to redesign that thing and put us all in one room for the weekend. From Thursday night to Sunday morning, we're all in one room. We've got more speakers. We've got Thursday night, we do the ice cream social and, and meet and greet. And then we have um, this thing called the interview with the drum. And um, our friend Lindsay is going to be interviewing uh, Sarah Highlander, Sarah H. And um, you know, um, last year she did Carl, Carl M. And then um, 
you know, the year before that, I, I forget um, who that was, but it's, it's, it's really cool to watch when they can kind of take them behind the scenes. She can take them behind the scenes. And then we're um, the second interview that night is going to be with Paul Williams and, uh, you know, a member of ours, um, you know, but it's a great event. We get to go down there and, and be part of my home group. I get to be part of, um, I'm actually the speaker getter um, this year for that. Um, but I've had a lot of commitments in, in that meeting and I'm grateful for that meeting. You know, I'm great, grateful for the men and women that don't just show up in the, in the room, you know, but we live outside of these rooms. It's almost like I've heard before we huddle up, right? <laughs> we huddle up in here, break, boom. And then we run out there and we get to do that together. You know, and we get to do that as a group. Um, I, you know, I really, um, I really enjoyed your guys' meeting tonight. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for allowing me to come in here and feel comfortable, you know, come in here and share my story with you. You know, in Bill's story, the first eight pages, um, we were taught that when we're reading Bill's story, that we're looking for the similarities. And when I'm looking at him being a stockbroker and being in the war and all that stuff, I can't relate. But then they told me to think about how he thought, felt, and acted. And when I'm listening to you guys and I, I listen to the way you guys think, feel, and act, I know I'm home. Thank you.